American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. The post-war prosperity so defined by suburban life was not shared by everyone. In the cities, especially the inner cities, the economy was really different. African Americans, who were excluded from all those FHA loans and mortgages and all those new jobs in suburbia, were feeling the effects of being excluded from the mainstream of American economic life. A two-tier system was being created. And in the mid-1960s to the late 1960s, there were a succession of rebellions or riots that people had in the middle of cities, protesting against the way in which African Americans have been excluded from the American dream. The congressional response to these riots was manifold, but in simply put terms, there was a decision whether or not to promote economic development in terms of businesses and jobs in the cities, or on the other hand, to promote access to credit that had been denied since the 1930s with the racist FHA laws. Congress came down on the side of credit. And in 1968, they passed the Housing Act, which creates a, pol a program to promote home ownership in, in inner city America called the Section 235 program. Now, what's interesting about this is not just the way it's a response to the social unrest, but also a response to inequality. And the answer to this inequality is credit. To provide capital for this program, Congress looked back to the 1920s, to a financial instrument that had long fallen out of favor and indeed been regulated out of existence, the mortgage bond, now known as the mortgage-backed security, a way to sell groups of mortgages in a bond form on capital markets, something that had directly led to the Great Depression in the form of the crisis of the mortgage markets, as we talked about before. Now, they did this because it was a way to get private capital invested in the inner city. And in doing so, they brought back a new kind of instrument to bring this about. Now, the Section 235 program failed after a couple years. There was fraud. African-American homeowners were left holding the bag for all kinds of shoddy housing. But the mortgage-backed security lived on. And by the mid-1970s, this is now a way in which a huge volume of credit is being provided, not for poor inner-city African-Americans, but now for middle-class Americans all over. The securitized mortgages, first in federally insured mortgages and then through Freddie Mac in all kinds of mortgages, created a period of extremely cheap home borrowing. So it allowed home prices to begin to rise in the 1970s, accelerating in the 80s and 90s. Now, what's interesting about this period is that while there, it is a period of rising asset value, not only in houses, but in the 1980s in stocks, it's a period of extreme wage stagnation. While during the post-war period, the median male wage had risen about 50%, since 1969, the median male wage has basically gone nowhere. There's been no wage increase in America for 40 years for people in the middle. Now, during the 70s and 80s, there was a continued rise in household income, especially because more and more American women were entering the workforce. But after the 1990s, this had basically stabilized. And there was nowhere else to go, especially as the American family began to look less like a nuclear family of the post-war and more like it is today. This overall stagnation was masked for decades by the rising value of homes and other kinds of assets. 
This masking was made possible by new forms of credit, which filled that difference between the rising expectations and the reality of stagnating wages. Visa and MasterCard became ever more widespread in American society. But even through the 1980s, it was very difficult for people of the working class or poor to get access to credit cards. They still had a shine of being something that was for the elite. This all changes beginning in 1986. In 1986, Congress passes a Tax Reform Act that eliminates the interest rate deduction for all forms of consumer credit except for mortgages. This means that Americans begin to look at their homes as the only place where they can borrow money and write it off their taxes. From 1986 to 1991, home equity loans explode as a way to not to just improve one's house, but to actually borrow against the value of these rising assets. Houses had become ATMs. At the same time in 1986, the very first credit card-backed security is created by Bank One. It allows credit cards to be treated like home mortgages, to be cap for those credit cards' balances to be turned into a bond and sold on capital markets. And this allows people to borrow in greater and greater amounts, so that by the early 90s, credit card access is no longer a sign of class status, something that everyone has. And through the 1990s, these loan balances are sold on capital markets, not just in America, but around the world. Securitization makes possible a massive expansion of consumer debt in the 1990s. And it seems like Americans are able to pay this back. Now, it's not from their wages. It's from their houses. So that houses, as house prices rise, people borrow against them to pay back their credit card debts, making it seem like Americans are, in fact, very solvent, when, in fact, their entire economic stability is based upon the rising prices of houses. All of this comes to a head in 2008. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Thank mm-hmm. you.